Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got a great show today. We're going to be talking about uh, things you can do by yourself. Solo home improvement projects. Yes, solo, as in uh, social distancing. <laughs> as much as you can, Yes, social possibly. social distancing from other people, but not from the project. That's right. You don't want to be too distant from the project if you want it to turn out good. Well, and that's uh, that's kind of where we are today. You know, this uh, this is probably going to be the new norm for a while. You know, Tony and I have, uh, you know, we we've had all of our shows put together for the for the last couple months, and we've been keeping away from each other. But uh, now that some of the restrictions are lifted, we're in the same room together. We're still social distanced. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, we need to get back to work. Get some uh, get some projects done. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a lot of projects out there that need to get done, both in your life and mine as well, and those of our listeners. Yes. So uh, where have you been? How have you been? Good. Things have been good. You know, really busy. This uh, The pandemic has brought all kinds of new challenges, and, uh, and we've just been trying to do our very best to service our customers needs during this time you know with everybody working from home and social distancing uh there's been a a a large increase of purchases of building materials for projects around the home and so as a uh, an essential a business par lumber companies continued to work during the pandemic and uh, it's been a lot of hours and a lot of hard work while all the while doing everything that we can to be um, safe. Yes, good stewards of other people's health and making sure that we are doing what we can to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Yeah. And so it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of hard work and consideration. It requires patience beyond that which I thought could ever be expected of me. And uh, and here we are. We're getting it done. Like you said, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. A, it's a new norm for a while. And uh, while things come up, um, world, you know, the world doesn't stop. Life doesn't stop. Yeah. Home improvement doesn't stop. You're still a weekend warrior, whether you're working m- from home Monday through Friday or working from the office. Well, and the need for housing, you know, so construction still really strong. There's still a really big need for affordable housing. And uh, it's, we've, yeah, we've continued to... Uh, to build. Yeah, I'll tell you what, houses on the market right now are not sticking around for very long. My next yeah. door neighbor uh, listed their house. They had a full price offer on the first day and uh, ultimately three over asking offers by day three and they sold it. That's it. Wow. Th- three days done. That's amazing. And they got, you know, thousands of dollars over asking. So uh, it was really, really great, exciting for them. They're building a new family and they need to get a bigger space, but uh, they definitely did not get strapped with that. And uh, that's happening all over the place. Nice. Well, that's great news. Uh, So yeah, anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. Maybe uh, doing some projects around your house that uh, 
You know, that stuff around your house, the maintenance isn't going to go away. You have to stay on top of it. So we've got some tips for some, some things you can do around your house and some things to stay away from. Some precautions that you should take during this time. Mm-hmm. For instance, maybe working on the roof is not the best idea right now. The last place you want to end up is in an emergency room <laughs> during a pandemic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I would say stay off the high ladders and stay off the roof and uh, leave that maintenance for uh, a little bit later. Maybe maybe you can hold off as long as possible. Well, inherently, if you're doing a project that requires more than one person, then you're going to be working in close proximity. Now, obviously, if you're working with someone that you live with, then that's not an issue, right? But if you require um, professional help, right, then the two of you would not be able to be working together closely. So if you're trying to get projects off the ground that are projects you can do by yourself, then working by yourself, you probably don't want to be up on a high ladder or up on the roof or in other precarious positions. Try to find those projects that are a little safer if you're going to be working alone. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good way to put it. A little safer. Well, there's definitely projects that need to be done that don't... You don't want to be Clark Griswold. Yeah. Definitely projects that need to be done that that aren't necessarily up high off the ground or or dangerous or precarious. Yeah, you know, uh, I had mentioned it's probably not not a good time to clean out your gutters. But anytime you look at it, you, you do have to stay up on your gutters. You have to maintain them and keep them clean to keep uh, the water away from your house. I know I've had to clean out my gutters at least three times in the last uh, few months. Uh, But fortunately, I live on a single story, and my gutters are only nine feet up, so I can get pretty low on a ladder and still reach and clean them out. Uh, But if I don't stay on top of that, I mean, I get waterfalls coming over the top with all of the pine needles that get stuck in there. Well, we are coming to the end of the rainy season, so that's going to afford you some time yeah, where you're certainly. not going to be seeing rain uh, frequently uh, week after week. And so if some more uh, stuff has been accumulating in the gutter, it'll probably chill in there for a little while. Maybe uh, just enough time for the pandemic to go away uh, <laughs> and the executive order to be lifted so we can all, uh, you know, be safe, have a second person to spot you on the ladder Make sure that you're not trying to do things that just put you in a in a tight spot when yeah. you're by yourself. Absolutely. Uh, so one of the things on our list, Tony, one of the first things that we initially started talking about was a closet remodel. And this has come up before because you are in the midst of planning your next closet remodel. I've done a couple myself where I've built built-ins and organized and I'm going about it one way. You're thinking about going about it another. Let's talk a little bit about remodeling your closet in your situation. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, basically, the situation is that the master bathroom for me and is a little bit too small. I want it to be bigger. I want it to have more. It's got a uh, it's got a shower and a toilet and one sink, and that's the master bathroom. One shower, one toilet, one sink. I feel like that in the master bathroom that I want in my house, uh, I want to have a larger shower plus a soaking tub. Ooh. I want to have two vanities and I want the toilet to be in an enclosed room with a door. So that's going to require, in order to have those things, the tub, a larger shower, 
an enclosed toilet space, and another vanity. I'm going to have to make the bathroom space larger. Well, fortunately for me, the closet is a pretty good-sized closet. So what I want to do is take some of the space away from the closet to add to the bathroom, and I want to take some of the space away from the master bedroom to add to both the closet and the bathroom. So you've got a, you know, if you've got a, a larger bedroom, then really you use all, right? Then there's an opportunity to take some of the bedroom away in order to even out the, the, the size between the bathroom and the closet. So, but there are still some challenges in there that I want to talk about. First, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, more of those projects you can do at home. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. If you haven't already, go check out our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, we're at WW Home Show. You can go check out our website. It's www.homeshow.com. Uh, all of our information's on there. If you want to send us an email, it's weekendwarriors at par.com. Uh, we're putting some really cool stuff up on YouTube now, so you can go check out our our how-to videos. We've got some different builds and some projects that we've done on there. So we'd love to see you like our page and maybe follow it. Uh, we're also, if you if you get a chance and you miss our show, you can go listen to the podcasts. We're on all of the podcasting software, including Google Play, Apple, iTunes. Um, what's Apple, the Apple Podcast? Apple Podcast. They changed yeah, Spotify, it. Spotify, iHeartRadio. Yeah, they're, uh, it's out there. It's easy to get. Spotify very popular these days. It is for us, and podcasts are very popular. So if you're hanging out by yourself, social distancing, it's a great uh, great time to listen to our show. Yeah, the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show on Spotify. Yes. So uh, before the break, we were talking about your closet remodel. And I didn't realize this, that you were actually going to remove a portion of your a master bedroom. Your master bedroom must be really big that you have room to spare. I feel like that it is. Um, you know, it's uh, it's like fourteen by twenty, which Ooh, is that a, is huge. which is a pretty good sized room. And uh, we can dig into that a little bit by by moving the wall that separates the room from the closet and the bathroom. Close up a little bit of that bedroom space, and uh, we just want to be careful not to close it up too much. We want it to seem cramped, right? Make sure that we can get a, a queen size bed in there, and uh, and you can move all the way around it. Maybe queen, huh? maybe room for a for a dresser. No king? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I have a might be a maybe a jack, a full. <laughs> you guys share a full. It might be a bishop, a bishop, <laughs> a bishop size bed. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, we, we have a king. But so anyway, we actually had the same situation, and you remember this well, because when we bought our house, uh, the master bedroom was gigantic, and the closet space in there was pretty small. Tiny, yeah. So it was really a closet space for one person, 
And if you, if and you a bedroom wanted, for four people. Yeah. <laughs> and there were two other bedrooms. And I think the people that owned the house before us utilized one of those bedrooms as their office slash closet. Well, that doesn't work really well when you have two kids that are taking up those spaces. Mm-hmm. So we actually took and built out, we stole two feet by eight feet of that room and built a closet. You helped me build it. And it worked out really, really well. So I totally get it. I think there was a time in building where the master be- uh, bedroom was had to be huge. Yeah, they had sitting spaces and sitting you know, areas, places to read and yoga know, mat. Yeah, you name it, all that stuff. I think it just yeah it depends. You know, trends. I think that uh, I actually we rented a house a, a long time ago, and the master bedroom. I'm not kidding you, was like 20 by 30. It was just this huge room with, you know, big arched windows. It just made no sense. The other rooms in the house were tiny. So I I totally get it. If you have way too much space, it seems like you're wasting it. And I'd rather, I'm with you, I'd rather have a bigger bathroom and a bigger closet. Yeah, so some of the things, some of the challenges that I'm facing as I'm trying to fit all of these things into the most usable, most efficient, tightest space, um, some of them are like this. For example, when you're de- when I'm designing my new bathroom to get all these things in there, I'm realizing that I don't want to move the toilet stack, right? That, yeah, that gets expensive. That's going to incur a bunch of money. So I have to design a space that leaves the toilet where it's at and still gets that door or that enclosed space around it. And then where can I have my larger shower that's not in a hole? I don't want it to have three solid walls and just one door. I want it to be some, I want to have some glass around the outside so that I can see in there really good, you know? Um, And then of course, making room for the soaking tub and then deciding what tub is the right tub and how much space does it require. And, uh, all the while taking into consideration how I'm going to get plumbing from where it's at now to where it's got to go without incurring a bunch of cost. So those are some of the challenges that I have. I have to take the plumbing from where it's at on one wall, one plumbing wall, and I have to extend it around to the other walls in order to get the tub and, of course, a second vanity in the room. But I think I've got a really good design. I'm going to hit up my buddy Corey at some point to see if I can get him to sketch it up for me so I can see the see it in a little bit more detail and determine whether or not the plan that I think I've got worked out is going to work. Yeah, that's a great idea. I'm willing to help you there. Uh, if you haven't tried it, you should go download SketchUp. Uh, there's a free software. It's called SketchUp Make. Uh, if you have any sort of experience with uh, CAD or any or design software, or if you're really computer literate, you can pick it up pretty quickly. And uh, I have a pretty extensive background in AutoCAD. So I was able to uh, pick it up pretty quick and it's awesome. I mean, you can draw anything you want in there in full three dimensions, roll it around and look at it. And it's uh, it's very useful for uh, visualizing what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, another one of the challenges is that, that I want to move that closet wall and bathroom wall, right? More further into the bedroom, but I have a window in one of my exterior walls that uh, is posing a bit of a problem. So I'm sort of um, 
entertaining the idea of having moving that wall out, but not closing off the entrance to the closet on the wall where the window is and having the window potentially be half in the closet and half in the bedroom with a walk around wall instead of having a archway or a door there. I'll just end the wall short of the exterior wall and then have a walk around and, and then the some exterior light comes into the closet in that way. Hmm, it's not a bad idea. I wonder how that will work and how that will look, which is another reason why I want to get it sketched up so I can so I can see it. And then get some advice from some of the some of my contractor buddies that shop at Par Lumber and see um see what they think. Maybe we'll give a a, a realtor a call and see see what a realtor thinks about it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with getting advice from Industry professionals, when you're doing something like this, um, you've got a friend who's got a friend who's in the business. Everybody does. Get a hold of that person and say, hey, I want to send you a couple of pictures. Tell me what you think this would look like. Do you think it would impede the resale of the home or something like that if I were to do this? Uh, You know, the more advice you can get, the better situation you'll be in when you make the final decision. Yeah, I agree. Don't you agree with that? Absolutely. So I, that's that's one avenue I'm going to take to make sure that I'm not so I'm not putting myself in a situation where the house isn't looking like I want it to look when I'm done. Yeah, yeah, that's a good tip. Uh, I did want to point out too. There's a couple things that you want to consider uh, in Tony's situation. For instance, moving walls. You want to be careful that they're not load bearing walls. And we can get into this a different time. It's uh it's not terribly complicated, but also complicated on how to determine if a wall is load-bearing and if, or if it's a partition wall, and you can just move it. And a lot of that has to do with climbing in the attic or climbing in the crawl space, um, looking for load development of how loads come down from the roof all the way down. And if it is a load-bearing wall, then you're going to have to talk to an engineer or an architect, have some drawings laid out and some plans on what to do on how to move a load-bearing wall. It's not impossible, but you are adding cost and time to that project. Another thing is with your plumbing. You have a two-story house, and you have to move plumbing. So now you got to think about tearing sheetrock out downstairs to install plumbing a little further over. Yeah, it's a lot to think about. It really is. And the best way to get there after you have an idea is to get it on paper and then get some advice. We actually have to take another quick break. When we come back, more projects for you around the home during pandemic. You're listening to Tony Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about COVID-19 projects <laughs> that you can do around your house. And a closet, a closet organizing or a closet remodel is a pretty good project because typically you can do that by yourself. Uh, it's a pretty small list of materials, and uh, you can go to the store and pick it up at Par Lumber. 
uh, if it's a, a bit of material, you can even have it delivered right to your house. Here's something else, especially in the closet. The closet and your master bedroom and your master bathroom, those are things that you have to have every single day right? You have to get up in the morning and you have to have your closet and you have to have your bathroom as you're getting ready to go to work and then you go to work. Well, during this time, a lot of people are working from home. So your closet is one of those things that maybe you're not required to have on a daily basis because maybe you're working in your jammies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, you're on those Zoom calls with a with a sport coat on top and a situation where you're jam bottoms, a situation where you're working from home uh, in the closet is a good time to have that disrupted or in disarray when you when you aren't required to have that at your fingertips uh, every single day. Yeah, pull all that stuff out of there. You know, it goes along with one of the other things on our list, which we'll get to later, but it's spring cleaning. I mean, it's it's a good time, even if you're not remodeling the space itself. You could pull all the stuff out of your closet, go through all of your old things. I always say, if you haven't worn it in a year, get rid of it. That's good advice. I mean, if you haven't touched it and it's just sitting in the closet, stretching out, collecting dust (laughs) and, you know, maybe some moth food, Mm -hmm. uh, just get rid of it. Donate it. Yeah. There are people in need that could probably use what you have sitting in there collecting dust. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, you know, and then if you haven't worn it in five years, it's out of style anyways. Even if you could get back into it, you don't want to because, because those fat fashion is gone. However, if you've had it for 25 years, it's probably coming back. back. Yeah, there you go. And your kids will want it. Uh, so here's some, here's another one of the challenges that comes with figuring out materials for a project like that. If you're thinking about the flooring you're going to put in the bathroom and the flooring you're going to put in the closet because you're moving those around. Well, you also got to think about the flooring that you're going to be needing to replace in the bedroom. You're probably not going to leave that old carpet in the bedroom and just replace what's in the closet and what's in the bathroom. And then when you replace the carpet that's in the master bedroom or hardwood floor, whatever you choose, how is that going to affect the flooring that's outside of the door and in the hallway or whatever your bedroom leads to when you when you come out of there, you're going to probably need to replace that flooring as well. So think about how all of the all of the spaces tie in together and what materials you'll need in order to make everything work cohesively after the project is complete. Yeah, anytime you're moving walls, you have to be worried about where the flooring there, how it's going to affect the flooring. You can't just cut out, you know, a four inch wide swath of your carpet and build a, build a wall there, (laughs) build a wall there. Yeah. You just can't do that. I mean, maybe if you're really, really good, I I don't know, but, uh, I'm running into that situation because I'm actually remodeling my master bathroom as we speak. And, uh, I've run into that situation. We had carpet that went into, uh, kind of the the area in my master, my master bathroom was split up into three weird areas. There was a closet and then the vanity was in this separate area. And then the bathroom, toilet and shower were in a separate area. And that, that area had linoleum. And then the middle area with the vanity had carpet, not my choice, which is why we're replacing it. But, and then that carpet went into the bedroom and also into the closet. Well, now I'm, I have to, 
I don't want to rip out the carpet in my bedroom. So I'm I'm cutting it back long enough and I'm rolling it up so that I can have someone come out and fix that at that transition where it transitions from the bedroom into the bathroom. And I'm doing that. I bought these uh, quartz, uh, pieces of quartz that are essentially one by six or one by five kind of actually. And they're, they're just the same width of a door jam, a, a four o or a four and nine sixteenths door jam. And it sits in there and then the carpet's going to go up to that. And then the tile on the other side is going to butt up against that. Nice. So it's going to look really good, but I don't know how to do it. If you cut the carpet back too short, you're going to be in trouble. Exactly. So I have a carpet person coming out. They're going to fix that transition right there at that, where that thing transitions into. But you got to think about those things. You can't just go willy nilly ripping carpet out because then you're going to end up replacing far more than you want to. Yep. Absolutely. No, you, you make a very good point and that's, uh, considering all of the things that you're going to affect when you start demoing this project and what it's going to cost you to put it back together and then making sure that you are 100% on your budget with what? 100% on your budget plus? Uh, contingencies? Plus contingency dollars. Oh, man, I got contingencies. I'll tell you about Don't go into a project without some contingency money because I guarantee you you're going to need it. And you're probably going to need more than you plan for, but don't put yourself in a bind by cutting yourself short. I think if I can get, switch from that tub to this tub, then I'll have enough money. If you're that tight on it, you're already in trouble, probably. Yeah, yeah. you never want to be cutting corners towards the end of a project, Yeah, because uh, then you're chintzing out on your tile, or you're chintzing out on your, you know, your... Uh, tub or the fixtures, you know, those are the things that you really want to be the nicest uh, so that you enjoy them, you know? Right. So, but, so I actually finished a project recently. Uh, we, we just remodeled our hall bathroom and that was a, it was kind of a remodel light. We didn't really tear a whole <laughs> bunch out. We essentially replaced the vanity, the flooring, the toilet, the mirror, you know what I mean? Like it was just a, we ripped out the old vanity and the, ripped out the old floor and toilet and put in new. And it turned out fantastic. And I budgeted in a contingency because I was worried. Houses built in the 70s, original toilet. You know, you open up the vanity and you look back there. There's kind of like this dark black moldy looking. It was really gross, right? So we tore out the vanity Lo and behold, it wasn't mold. It was actually uh, wood stain from when they installed the vanity in place and then sprayed it with wood stain, mm. you know, the old 70s dark wood, mm -hmm. which they had since painted over with white. But it was that dark wood stain that had gotten onto the sheetrock and just made it look terrible. So I lucked out there and uh, the toilet, no rot under that thing. And uh, it really... It went perfect. That is great. We got that project done in no time and no problems. That's the first one in my life. Yeah. I swear. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. The time that you won't need the contingency money will be the time that you plan for it. And you <laughs> yes. have it. And you're able to roll that right into your next project. Yep. Which we needed it there. Yeah. You know, we tore out the old shower and uh, we, we, we tore out everything. But in that bathroom 
behind the shower is a fiberglass wall or shower stall. Is that an exterior wall? It's an exterior wall, three foot by four foot. And on the four foot wall was against the exterior wall. No insulation Mm. in that wall. So if you know anything about building science, you know that moisture will always travel from warm to cold until it hits its dew point and then it condensates, which is why you never want the dew point inside of your wall construction ever, which is why you insulate. So you move that cold wall or that condensation point. Typically, it lies kind of on the other side of your plywood between your siding, which is now why we use drainable house wraps. Uh, But instead, it condensated on the inside of my plywood and rotted all of the wood behind the shower. Mm. So we had a lot of work there fixing that up. That can be an expensive proposition. Think because if you have to change the plywood sheeting on the exterior wall, then you've got to also change the siding and that gets expensive. We got to take another quick break. When we come back, more of those projects for staying at home. You're listening to Tony Core, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors. Thanks for sticking around. Today we're talking about uh, solo projects you can do during COVID. And uh, we've been talking about Tony's closet remodel slash bathroom remodel. Uh, but kind of, I kind of touched on my bathroom remodel. Uh, we got into our master closet, master bathroom. It's kind of one small, it's very tight area. Uh, the whole thing is like six feet by, I have to say 10 feet, 12 feet, something like that. Uh, nah, 13 feet, I guess. Six by 13. It's a, it's pretty tight for a closet. And a bathroom. So we had a four-foot vanity in there and a three-foot by four-foot shower. And that shower stall had, there was a wall built in there with a pocket door, which broke. And we decided we wanted to nix that all together. And behind the shower, there was a good 10 or 11 inches of dead space that they had just framed in, right? So it was a total waste of space. So we ripped that whole thing out, and I'm putting the same size shower in there, but we're getting an extra long vanity. So I'm getting, I'm going from a four foot to a five foot. One sink. I don't think we need two sinks. Uh, we would rather have the counter space, uh, but we're going with a five foot vanity and all new floor tile. Um, I opted against the heated floor. The heated floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had. To, I've been talking about this for a long time now, and uh, we're we're in it to win it. And, uh, I decided against it because when we started tearing everything open, realized there was no insulation in there. And those dang pocket doors sat right on the two by six tongue and groove car decking. So there was a couple things going on there. One, the car decking has tons of holes in it. It's not airproof at all. So whenever we kicked the furnace on, it would draw cold, dank air up between 
the tongue and grooves on the car decking in between two pocket doors that was in that closet alone. So A, it was very cold in there because of that. And B, there was no insulation on six feet of wall. So we figure that instead of spending a couple grand on the floor, we can spend, you know, a hundred on insulation and actually actually air sealing that, that wall and making it nice and toasty. The other thing is in the attic, the insulation stopped about six feet from the wall. So the entire perimeter of our house had about, I don't know, two inches of insulation. So I have an insulator coming out and they're going to take care of that. They're going to blow in all new insulation to fill up and uh, put bats on top of that to get us up to R49 Wow! in the attic. So that's an added cost that you hadn't anticipated. Well, yes and no. We actually anticipated it. I kind of knew that was coming up. Uh, There's a couple sun tunnels in there too that weren't insulated. So they're going to insulate those. So, I mean, yes, it is a cost, but we did have it equated in because I had known for a long time that the insulation, you can look in there and just see that the insulation stops, you know, about six feet from the perimeter outside wall. So I think with all of that, though, with the added insulation behind the wall and the added insulation, the ceiling and the air sealing off of, of the crawl space nastiness. Do you think it's going to make the difference? I think it will make the difference and make it nice and warm in Co- that cozy. corner. Comfy cozy Without having... Yes, we have ceramic tile going in. Yes, it will be cold on the feet, uh, but I don't think it will be as cold as before. So, and on top of that, we're going to put in a heated bath fan. Oh, nice. Yeah, Panasonic makes a a really nice uh, bathroom fan uh, with a heater in it that kind of knocks the chill off. I I wouldn't say that it heats up the whole room, but uh, everything I've read about it says that it will, you know, kind of just make it warm, warmer, so that when you Mm -hmm. get out of the shower or get into the shower... It uh, takes that cold shock away. Knocks the chill off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a really good plan. I feel like you have uh, given it a lot of thought and and you're moving through the project already. So I saw the vanity in, uh, it was sitting there in your garage when I was over there. And so, uh, yeah, great. That's exciting. It's an exciting project. And I am. uh, So one of the things is I did have to, I am losing about three inches of my closet. So that was my closet in there, um, which was only six feet by four feet before. It's about six by 48. So now it's going to be six by 42. 42. Or something. 41-ish. No, 40, 45. I'm losing three inches. So oh, six by 48. Okay. So I'm losing three inches. So it'll be six by 45 inches. So I am actually in the midst of sketch-upping. Sketch-upping? Sketching up. Sketching up. My closet. I'm actually trying to figure out my closet in there as well. So when you made the decision that you needed to grow the bathroom by three inches, you immediately succeeded that you had to replace all of the shelving inside the closet. Well, I did because I had gone the route of the pre-manufactured closing closet pieces. You know, the so it comes with these metal long metal rods that you. Uh, 
screw into the wall with slots in it. And then you buy these like little dressers or you buy shelving and then you hook them in and it's modular. So you can move it around wherever you want it. And I actually change things around quite a few times, which is one of the great parts about that product. It's expensive. You know, it's kind of that uh, California closets or whatever you want to do. It's a closet system. It's a closet system where you you're, you pay quite a bit for it. Um, I got it on a deal, so I, I felt pretty good about it. Uh, but yeah, you, you hang these metal rods up and um, or brackets, these long brackets with slots in them. But however, I can't, I'm probably going to be re- to reuse some of it, uh, but that really that three inches is kind of killing the whole thing. Cause I used to have a closet. The door was dead center. And then you walked in and the, it was four feet deep by six feet wide. So I had a four foot, essentially four foot rack on the left side and a four foot rack on the right side. Well, now I have to kind of change that out mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm changing it to where uh, I have one long six foot closet. So I, I'm redesigning it. So as you're as I'm picturing the closet system that you're putting in there and it's wire, right? Like it's um no, it's actually uh wood looking. It's got like a wood print melamine. It's a melamine panel. Oh, okay, all right. But it's but it clips in. It's you've got uh slot slot rails that mm-hmm. go up on the wall and it clips in and moves around. It's modular. And do you feel like obviously you chose it. So you don't feel like that it looks cheesy or chintzy no the uh you know the wood laminate that they use uh yeah it's it's a print uh but it looks really nice i mean it's a nice you think you're gonna be happier with that than you would be built-ins uh yes and the reason i say that is because it is modular so the one thing that when i had it in there before i was able to move things around as i used the space over the course of time, I said, man, I don't like this. So I would move it. You know, you can just unhook it and move it. If I want, I can take it all down. I can put, you know, shelving up here and drawers down here or drawers up there. And I, I can move it around. So that's really the nicest part about it. Uh, albeit the expense, the cost. They I'll tell are you what, spending. I just don't think that I would be happy with a modular closet system. I feel like that I'm not going to be happy unless it is built in place and caulked and painted and, you know, completely and totally one finished product and uh, totally not modular. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really feel like that's the only way I'm going to be happy in my master closet. Well, I will give you a tip and I will say that spend more time designing it and thinking about what you're going to store there. How many pairs of shoes you're going to put in there or boots? If you've got some tall cowboy boots, are they going to fit? Uh, If you've got, uh, you know, you're a tall guy, so all your uh, suits and that are probably pretty long, probably taller than the normal. So you have to think about where you're putting your closet rods. Uh, Just think about it more than you would think. (laughs) You know what I mean? Don't just go in there and slap a couple shelves in. In a couple rods and call it good. Well, I've been dealing with a couple of shelves and a couple of rods for 15 years, and I'm ready to have a top quality closet organizer inside there. You know what you want. I, I definitely will know what I want before I start putting it together. 
and I'm pretty excited about it. All right, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, more Weekend Warriors don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. I'm Tony Cookson. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about uh, COVID-19 projects. Stay-at-home projects. Solo. Stay home, stay healthy. Stay safe. And improve your home. The biggest thing you you don't want to do, stay off the roof. Uh, do anything dangerous, here's high a, ladders. Here's another good tip. Stay away from projects that are require personal protective equipment. Projects that require you to have safety glasses, safety mask or respirator type thing, rubber gloves, those kinds of things. Because here's the thing. A lot of that stuff is not available to you right now. Yeah. You can't just run out and grab some masks and some safety glasses and some gloves uh, you know, it's just that a lot of that stuff is being um, is being used in the medical field, and people that make it are sending it there first. Yeah, it's hard to come by. I tell you what, so it's a good tip. Don't don't go in, unless you have it. I mean, if sure. you plan on uh, spraying out a vanity like I am, you would need a special mask, which I already have. Right. So I'm going to tackle that project. Yeah. Well, that, that's just, just something to think about, right? Uh, those things, especially rubber gloves, can be hard to come by these days. So uh, so anyways, um, I'll tell you what. Here's a great project. Here's another project that I have. It's sort of looming. I've actually had material delivered, uh, and it's sitting at the house waiting for me to get on it. But uh, I have a section of fence that needs to be built. We're actually moving a 16-foot section of fence, and we're, we're moving it um, just about 10 feet. It's going gonna, it's gonna to still be in the same direction, running in the same direction. We're just moving it back 10 feet to open up a space in the backyard and closing up the, uh, the RV parking space. There's just too much open space behind the RV parking pad. And so I'm moving the fence back and I've got the materials delivered. And that's a, that's a great project for outside, beautiful weather. Uh, it doesn't take more than you know you and another member of the household maybe to get a project like that done it's a really good uh really good project to do yeah outside fence and if i've actually known several people i've shipped several fence packs over the last couple months i know personal friends who have called me and have built their own fences at home um i have a couple tips let's talk i mean i've built a few fences in my life i know you have Mm -hmm. Uh, what are some tips and tricks you would give to somebody that is venturing out into the yard to build a fence okay here's one really good one this is my this is one of my favorites they make a level it's called a post level and this post level is uh, like in the shape of an l and it's got a rubber band on it and you it, it fits perfectly over a four by four so you take this level and you put it over the 4x4 with a rubber band and, and uh, snap it tight to the top of the 4x4 when you drop it into your hole. 
Then it levels the 4x4 for you both directions. So without having to hold a level, because it's attached by a rubber band, and without having to move the level from one side to the other side to the other side to make sure it's level both ways, it tells you without you having to hold it both directions. Level front to back, level side to side. Plum. <clears throat> Plum while you are pouring the concrete in and around or while you are bracing it off. Whichever it is that you try to do, this saves you a hand and the hassle of having to move a level around on the post. So it's a great tool and it's not expensive. Yeah, that is a pretty cool tool. I have one. It's bright orange, not unlike your shirt. Right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's got a little rubber band goes on the side. I wouldn't say that it levels it for you. It's a little misleading. <laughs> it reads level for you. It reads level for you. It so, uh, frees so up your hand for sure. Yeah. It's nice. It's a nice little tool. I, I love mine. I'm glad that I have it. I'll be utilizing that for setting my posts. Yeah. Uh, here's another question or another thought. How are you going to dig your post holes? Are you going to use a shovel? Uh, maybe you're going to use a trenching shovel because it's narrow. Are you going to use a post hole Ooh, digger? Post hole digger all the way. Or are you going to rent an auger? Well, you know, I've rented an auger before. You know this. Um, but I only rented it because... Uh, the situation that I was in, uh, I needed, I bought, I rented it with a, um, one of those walk behind Toro machines. Mm -hmm. A trencher or a, a ditch witch? A ditch witch. Yeah, it's made by that company, but it has different attachments on it. But I needed that to do a lot of other projects. And it turned out really handy because I was going into some really tough soil. I was going into some rooted areas. And that thing, man, powers right through them. It was never a question on your project because you were digging like 42 holes. Yeah, that too. I mean, if you're going to a project with 42 holes, do not go after that with a post hole digger. That's just, you're just asking for a bad back. You're asking for some tennis elbow. Yeah, that's not, <laughs> never going to be a good idea. Um, well, I, t I tell you what, in different parts of the country probably even in central Oregon or eastern Washington where it gets cold, where that frost line gets down, you have to dig fence holes like four feet. Yes. Back in Michigan where I grew up, all your fence posts had to be four feet down. Out here, we only dig them two feet. Uh, that's incredible, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so much easier. Uh, but yeah, it just depends. Yeah, if you got a ton of holes, rent an auger. And if you rent an auger... Here's another tip. Augers can be unassuming. They can be extremely difficult to wield, uh, depending on the condition of the soil that you're digging. If your soil is super soft or, uh, or just, you know, um, sandy or whatever, it's not hard clay pack, then you'll probably be able to wield that thing by yourself without too much trouble. Mm, but uh, you get yeah. into some hard soil, that thing will catch and... Man, that thing will throw you. Yeah, most I would say most of the fence post augers are two-handed. Mm -hmm. If you want to do it by yourself. Or, or four-handed. Four-handed. Two-peopled. So, Two-peopled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you and I went, you know, we worked uh, worked a, a two-man auger in the past. Yeah, the uh, I would say if you want to do it by yourself, go in and get yourself like what I did. I rented the machine. It comes on it. It's on a two-tracks, like a little mini two-track. And it has an arm in the front, a hydraulic arm, and it comes with different attachments. And it has a PTO on it, so you just put the attachment on there, click it into the hydraulic hoses, and away you go. And you can do it with a bucket, you can have it with 
claws with little grabbers. And it's really good if you get those two attachments, then you can bring your concrete back to where you need it. You can drill your post holes. I mean, they're really handy. Yeah. They run on diesel. I mean, they are beast. And then we dug all the holes in my my backyard fence in one day. Yeah. So it was well worth its cost of rental. It was a pretty versatile machine. I recall that. The day that we went to pick it up from the rental place, there was like 42 people in line. I know. I remember that. It was a super busy morning. It was crazy, but it was worth it. It was. I do want to say a couple more tips on fence building. Uh, A little bit of gravel in the bottom of each hole. That will help with drainage and make your fence posts last longer. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, Fence posts can rot. If they sit in water, they will rot. So a little bit of gravel, that'll help that drain through. Uh, Another thing is after you've put your concrete in, do a little uh, conical-shaped cone cone on top. That'll help the water shed away even more. Yep, those are really great tips. So some more about projects you can do at home. When we come back, you listen to Tony Core, your Weekend Warriors. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the talk show, we're talking about uh, projects that you can do at home by yourself. And uh, we were talking about fences before the break and offering up some tips. Uh, the last one that I gave you was to put some gravel in the bottom of the hole and to create a cone shape on top of the concrete. When you pour the concrete post in, you don't want to create essentially a bowl. Or you don't even want it to be flat. Right. Because what will happen is the water will pool there on top of the concrete, soak into the post, and will make it rot prematurely. So if you kind of create a slope away uh, from the post uh, so the water can shed away, uh, that will prolong the life of your fence by a lot. Yeah, and it's notable that that doesn't have to be above the surface of the ground. You know, the, the top of your concrete could be one inch or two inches below uh, the surface of the ground. It doesn't have to be up, you know, so you got cones sticking out all over around your fence posts. So it can be down lower, Yeah. Um, but uh, you want to do that so that it doesn't hold water mm-hmm. and water has an opportunity to just eat away at that wood. Yeah, uh, I'll give you a couple more tips uh, with fence building. Um, I like to always use pressure treated rails. I know it's not universal. Some people say Douglas fir rails are fine. Uh, I personally think that if you're going to build a fence, build it with pressure treated rails. Uh, that way that'll, they'll last a lot longer. Um, I also like to always suggest a top cap, not just for the posts, but for the whole fence. If you take a piece of two by six, lay it flat on top of the fence it will protect all of the fence boards under it, and it'll protect that end grain from the water soaking in and prematurely rotting your fence boards, even if they are cedar. Uh, it'll, it'll help really prolong the life of the fence. Uh, another tip for prolonging the life is to either buy pre-stained fence boards 
That way they are stained on all sides, even the tops and the bottoms. Uh, every pre-finished fence I've ever seen or sold uh, looks like the day it was put up after 10 years. So it's a really good, good thing to do uh, if you can't buy them or it's cost prohibitive. Uh, definitely recommend at least putting a coat of something on it uh, after you get it up and uh, maybe every few years just reapply some sort of coating on there. Um, the last thing that I want to say about fencing is if you're putting in a gate, uh, use a heavier post than your your typical 4x4. Four four four. Four. Yeah. Use a 4x6 six at minimum, uh, but even better than that is a 6x6. Six six. Because if you have a big heavy gate hanging on a 4x4, four four, it's going to sag. It's going to move. It's going to wobble. And the last thing you want to do is be opening and closing your fence with a, you know, a puny little post there. I helped replace somebody's get saggy gate a couple of years ago, and I've had nothing but problems with adjusting that fence. That gate, we put in a metal gate, and I just keep getting calls back saying, oh, it's still, you know, blah, blah. and I go over there. Sure enough, the post has moved a little bit more and a little bit more, and it's just a pain in the butt. So put in a six by six and be done with it. Yeah. Uh, especially if it's a gate that gets used a lot. The more the gate gets used, if it's a very commonly used gate, then it's going to even fail sooner. And it, it will be something that will be great consternation for you going forward. Yeah, you could put the best gate you could possibly put in there. You know, the metal, no sag gate kits. I mean, they're fantastic gates and they are adjustable. So you can take the sag out of them as you know the years go by. But if you have a weak post, especially put in with one bag of concrete, uh, it's just not enough. It's just not strong enough to support that post or support that gate. Yeah, that's a good tip. Uh, if you're putting a gate between the end of the fence and the corner of the house, would you suggest that would you suggest to hang the gate from the house and close it into the post? No, and here's why. I did that on my house. I had I honestly I I didn't have much option there uh, because of the situation. I had to have it close. I actually have it hinged on the house side. Mm -hmm. uh, but I put in some blocking and I put in the, the lag screws, you know, right into the house. The bad side or the bad thing about that is when that gate gets used, it is extremely loud. Inside the house? Yeah, when it closes, bam! Yeah, it just, you can hear it through the whole house. So mm. I wouldn't recommend it. Yes, it's strong. It's, uh, it's going to be very strong, but... Well, just, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to rattle your house. <laughs> well, that's a good tip. That's a great, uh, that's a great piece of information. Um, I, I, as an argument to that or playing devil's advocate, I, I would tell you that you can, there is money to be saved by using untreated rails. Um, you obviously are um, not going to, it's not going to last as long. Um, but if, if you are up against the, budget and you're looking to save some cash on a large fence project um dry two by four rails instead of green dry two by four rails is a good way to go because green dug fur and green treated meaning that it hasn't been dried will shrink 
And those two by fours will shrink right out of that, those two by four brackets. FB24Z, that's the name of a, of a two by four fence bracket. And those rails will shrink right out of them. And then you'll be out there uh, replacing those rails because they shrunk up and fell out. I've had it happen in yeah. multiple occasions. Dry lumber is a good solution. Um, it's not treated, so it won't last as long as treated will. But um, it's better than green dug fur. And green dug fur, although a little less expensive, is would not be my choice. Uh, another option to what you were talking about is a dry fence board. You can buy, Par Lumber Company sells dry fence boards, and a dry fence board will not shrink as much. When you put the boards up on the rails and you butt them tight together, you won't end up with a half an inch gap between all of your fence boards, which with a green fence board or a non-dried fence board, you will get those gaps. Yeah, I know that very well. I put up, uh, I put a fence up with green boards and uh, they were pre-finished. They look fantastic, but I put them up as tight as could be in within a month. Well, during the summer months, uh, there's some of them have a pretty hefty gap between yeah. them. And the last tip I've got for, uh, in, in my experience in building fences, if you're not using a pre-stained fence board or a treated fence board, uh, it's worth the it's worth the time and effort, in my opinion, to get those fence boards out and pre-stain them on some uh, sawhorses in the backyard and let them dry before you install them. And if you're putting stain on and you're rolling it on with a roller or a brush it's more work and it takes a little bit longer but you get a better protective coating on that board than you would by spraying it after it's up so take the time in my opinion and uh, brush or roll the stain onto your fence boards before you install them you'll get a great coverage at the very least for the first uh however many years it is before it's required and in my opinion, the darker the stain, the better. The I agree. darker the stain, the more pigment that's in the stain, the longer it will stay a nice, pretty color, and uh, the gray won't jump in there and, and start to work against you. Well, here's the thing. Fences are expensive. I mean, if you've got a, a decent-sized yard, you're going to spend a two, three grand on materials to build that fence. Plus the two, three days it's going to take you in... A, probably another person to build it. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you just go a little bit extra to make that fence last for 10, 15 years rather than doing it the chintziest way possible right. and having it look terrible right. in two years? Yep. String a line from the top of your post to the top of your post and make sure that your fence boards are aligned across the top. While you might not notice it while you're putting them up, when it's all done and you go stand 20 or 30 feet away from it and oh, you look man. at it and the top of your fence isn't level, that'll frustrate you. String line's a way to go. we got to take another quick break. When we come back, more COVID-19 projects around the home. You're listening to Tony Core, your Weekend Warriors. Don't go away. to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, if you haven't already, go check out our Facebook and Instagram, our YouTube channels. We're at WW Home Show. You can find all of them at our website, which is wwhomeshow.com. 
or you can go to par.com, that's P-A-R-R.com, click on the Weekend Warriors link. Uh, our email address is on there, which is weekendwarriors at par.com. If you have any questions or comments, we love hearing from you. Uh, we've gotten several comments over the past couple of weeks on mm-hmm. some shows that we've been airing, and uh, we, we really like to hear from you. So send them in. Yeah. Uh, we're also, if you missed the show and you want to catch any part of any of our other shows, you can go to uh, your Spotify, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Yep, all of those. Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. Yep, and our podcasts are airing on there, and uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. So go check those out. Check it out. So we're talking about projects you can do around your house uh, that don't require a lot of help, because you don't want to be having a bunch of people over to your house in this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Spreading around the COVID. <laughs> the Rona. So, yeah, the Rona. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've kind of come up with a list of projects that you can do kind of on your own. And some of them might be a little tougher. You know, fence repair or fence build. You know, it's that's a lot of work. A lot of work. Uh, but there are things, steps you can take to, uh, to reduce the amount of contact you have with other people. Mm-hmm. I.e. getting the materials delivered. For free. For free. Just call up Par Lumber, and uh, you can pay over the phone. They can bring it right out to your house uh, with a little forklift truck and drop it off. And uh, the other thing I would recommend, if you have a lot of post holes, instead of digging them individually, go rent one of those two-track machines, the walk-behind two-track machines yeah. uh, with an auger bit. And that thing will make short work of your fence posts. Uh, another project that you could probably do, tackle yourself, would be your deck. If you've got a, uh, a wood deck or even a composite deck, it's really a good time. Spring's here, summer's around the corner, and uh, get that thing knocked into shape. I tell you what, it's a really good time to get out and inspect your deck. I mean, you walk on it, you use it, right? Uh, it's there, and years go by uh, rapidly. But how often do you go out there and inspect it properly? How often do you look at the posts or tap on the posts to make sure that they're solid and not showing signs of rot? Uh, Check your fasteners that they're not backing out. And I'm talking about in the framing, not so much on the deck surface, because of course you see that all the time. But get around the outsides, look underneath the deck, and uh, get a feel for how it's standing up to time and weather, because you don't want that to catch you off guard, certainly not uh, in the months that you'd rather not be working on it. I've seen time and time again, firsthand experience where you climb under a deck and A, it's not even bolted to the house. It's just nailed up there with a couple 16-penny nails or even 12-penny nails. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't even didn't even use galvanized nails maybe they didn't use the correct hangers uh pressure treated lumber uses copper in it it has a lot of copper content well when you mix copper and zinc creates electrolysis and it will literally eat the hanger if you don't use the proper hanger Uh, they make simpson strong tie makes a product called z max that is has a special coating on it to prevent them from rusting when they come in contact with the copper so it's important to do that stuff. And if, you, if you're if you unsure and you climb under there, look at your hangers. If they look all rusted out, but they potentially are incorrect. And you're asking for a catastrophic failure. 
those hangers are the only thing holding the joists up. And uh, if they're bad, you might have to pry them off and install new face mount hangers. I've seen that before, especially at the coast. You want to use stainless steel hangers at the coast. And if you don't use the right ones there, combined with the sea salt air, you're asking for trouble. Mm -hmm. But another thing is, again, like you said, uh, check those connections. I've seen too many times where a beam sits on top of a post and the beam starts to rot. And next thing you know, it's pushed down over that post through the rot, you know, a good inch. And the whole thing is sagging. And then you go look at the house. And of course, there was no flashing and there was no, you know, ledger locks or anything like that used to keep to hold that deck secure. I mean, especially a a two story deck. Have you ever seen, Tony, a two story deck? Where they didn't properly fasten it to the house. I have. I demoed one myself. Ugh, and it's it, unbelievable. It, it's, it's scary, to be honest with you. Uh, I've looked underneath decks that uh, where the, the post up from the pier block that was supposed to be sitting underneath the beam, that post wasn't properly attached to the beam, and it fell over. And now that beam is unsupported right there over top of that concrete block, and it's sagging. Well, as that sags, it's damaging the, the other parts of the deck all around it. And it's just waiting, you know, to, to collapse. Uh, and you can save yourself a whole bunch of money if you catch that before it fails. Yeah. And then has to be replaced. So just those things that you want to keep an eye out and make sure that there's not trouble starting. Because if there's trouble starting, you can fix it before it becomes a lot of money sometimes. I had a situation where... I had a customer come to me. They built this huge deck on a two-story house. I mean, or three story, it was three stories up. And it was on a big slope lot. And they used a big pressure-treated beam, specifically designed to be outdoors. However, they came in and they attached siding to the side of the beam. Because it was in a big slope lot, you could see it from down below. They wanted it to look nice which I understand. So they put siding on it, rough sawn plywood. And then at the bottom, they caulked the bottom to make it look really nice. Oh boy. Well, here's the problem with that. That's a recipe for trouble. They have essentially created a pool, a pool, a bowl (laughs) for that water. As it rained and came down, it went between the siding and it soaked into the beam. But that caulking at the bottom didn't allow that water to escape. And it rotted that beam out completely in less than three years. Wow. So it's important to look at and inspect and just make sure, especially if you have a two-story deck. Uh, we're actually going to be going out uh, soon to be uh, to help out look at a, a deck that is going to be rebuilt with all new Trex products. Mm-hmm. It was a two-story deck, and it was... Exactly everything we just talked about. Problematic and dangerous. Yep. They didn't have it nailed to the wall correctly. They overspanned the joists with cantilevers and undersized the beams and undersized the post. And this thing was 14 feet in the air. So death trap. It it was a death trap. So we're going to be videoing that uh, process and showing you how to do it right. So after you've gone out and inspected your deck and made sure that it's sound and, and everything is working as it should be and nothing's falling apart and needs to be replaced, well, something that you do need to do is you need to strip it and stain it. Strip, stain, repeat. 
If it's a wood deck and not a composite deck, if it's a wood deck, uh, it does need to be treated um, probably every year. Sometimes you can get away with two years, depending on if it's covered or its exposure to the weather. But uh, plan on that, uh, restaining probably every year. And you want to make sure that it's clean so you can get a, a deck detergent or a deck stripper. Uh, you don't have to strip off an oil stain, um, but... The stripper that it's made by Penafin, for example, Penafin stripper is a really good product, does a really good job and uh, clean the dirt off and get that thing all fresh and ready for a, a new coat of stain. Let it dry and then put the stain on it. And it's always best to roll or brush the stain on. You just get better. Um, you get better penetration with the oil if you if you work it in with a brush or a roller. Yeah, and you're referring to more of the penetrating oil products. Correct. There are oil-based stains that are uh, like semi-transparent, sit on the surface, and uh, those you might... I don't know how those react to new coatings, but either way, it's yeah. a good thing to keep up on the maintenance with. Absolutely. This is a good time of year to get that done. we got to take another quick break when we come back. More Weekend Warriors don't go away. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. We're going to finish out this show talking about some projects that you can do around your house uh, by yourself in the time of COVID. Uh, we want to keep our social distance from people. So uh, we're giving you some project ideas that you can do by yourself. And uh, we were talking about decking. And we mentioned wood decking and how important it is to stay up on the maintenance uh, you're just prolonging the life, especially if it's cedar, even if it's a hardwood like Epe or Maranti, mahogany decking. Um, you want to stay up on the maintenance because you're going to short span or you're going to shorten the life of it overall. And those deckings, they do last a long time. They get gray, but what can happen with them is they'll get really dried out and they'll start to splinter. And that is really difficult to fix down the road. Yeah. So... Stay up on top of it, and uh, it'll last a long time. But let's talk about composite decks for a second, because if you have a Trex deck, a Trex deck is meant to be low maintenance. It is not no maintenance. It is low maintenance. And what we mean by that is it's still going to get dirty. It's still going to get the moss and the mildew growing on the surface. Because <laughs> Notable. Go no, ahead. Yeah, because moss and mildew will grow wherever it has food. And if your deck is dirty, it'll grow on top of it. On top of the dirt. On top of the dirt. That's on top of your deck. So all you got to do with a low maintenance Trex deck is just clean it. Right. That's all you have to do. There's no coatings. There's no anything you have to do to it, but you do want to keep it clean. You want to be very careful if you decide to go after your deck with a pressure washer or a power washer. Uh, that tends to be the go-to thing because guys and gals that are weekend warrior type people, they like to stand with a hose with high pressure and clean stuff 
It's fun. It's oh, fun yeah. to stand in the driveway and spray off the driveway or the walkway or the porch or the patio or the deck. That is something that's fun to do. It's very satisfying to watch the dirty spot <laughs> become a clean spot. And then to I've make... watched many an Instagram video of cleaning of concrete. <laughs> it's something very it's, it's oddly satisfying. <laughs> satisfying about it. I know this already about myself and about others. Um, but here's the thing before you go after your composite, your Trex composite deck with a pressure washer or a power washer, be very careful that you understand about the pressure that you're dealing with. If you have got a, a heavy duty pressure washer and you hold that nozzle too close to that composite decking and you turn that thing on full blast or you've got it on stream, you can very quickly damage the surface of your deck. And that is irreversible. Once you've damaged that, you can't go back. So you want to use a, a moderate fan that is uh, not necessarily turned up full blast. And you want to make sure you keep the nozzle, you know, probably 16 inches away from the deck surface. And uh, just be careful not to get too close because you can feather that back and uh, cause damage that will just frustrate you going forward. Yeah. And it happens fast. Yep. It is expensive to fix too. I mean, if you got to replace a board and you know, you're, you're talking about anywhere in the range, depending on the length between 50 and a hundred dollars yeah. for a board. Yeah. So, and it, it happens, you know, you start out being uh, responsible and keeping it far back, but you just start getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And next thing you know, you got that nozzle right down there trying to dig out some, some dirty stuff between the things uh, between the crevices and, and you'll, you'll damage it. And then that, that'll be difficult and frustrating for you. Yeah. So yep, be really careful sure. with a pressure washer, power washer. You really just need a bucket with warm, soapy water and a stiff bristled brush. That's what you need. Uh, you will get it clean. It's more elbow grease for sure, but you will get it clean. Just brush it with some deck detergent or some warm soapy water and you'll get all that stuff off. The, the mold and mildew that grows on the dirt that's on top of the deck will wash right away. It's not adhering itself to the decking because, the, because it won't. Yeah. So, uh, but it definitely needs to be cleaned and uh, keeping it looking nice as, as much as possible. Because the other thing that can happen with that dirt and the mold and mildew is it can be slimy and slippery. And a slippery deck is a dangerous deck. Yeah, when you walk out at next winter time and it's slick, yeah, fall on your butt. And as long as you are cleaning your deck, you should be cleaning your walkways and your driveway and your patios and all of that stuff too. That's a that's a maybe a full day's work there. All right, let's uh, let's talk about a couple other small projects, small projects that you can do on your own. And uh, a quick one outside, if we're sticking with the outside, is to build a fire pit. <laughs> you want to hang out with your family in the backyard. Uh, now's as good a time as ever. Par Lumber sells fire pit kits through Baselight that you can get delivered right to your doorstep, and uh, they're super easy to install, and uh, they're not terribly expensive. So if you've got the area, if you've got the room where you can do a fire pit, I highly recommend building that. Uh, another thing you can build outside that's very easy to do by yourself is build a garden bed, a garden planter bed. Or you can go check out a video that we did where we built a garden bed, but we put a like a trellis, trellis on it. And we planted some vine growing plants in it. And it looks fantastic. That's using some wild hog fence panels also available at par. We can get those delivered for you. Yeah, that's a great project. Uh, garden beds or garden uh, planters uh, are a, a great project for this time of year. 
I mean, you know, we've kind of we've missed the planning season at this point. That was in April, but it will be ready for you for next year. And uh, it's a great project. I love uh, growing stuff in the backyard. The planter bed material that's for sale at Par is a two by ten, and it's cedar, no chemical. Um, it's a it's a rough sawn two by ten. It's an inch and three quarter by nine and three quarter. Pretty inexpensive at about two bucks a foot. At least that that's the promo price that's on right now. And uh, you can build some beautiful cedar garden beds with that product. And again, no chemical. And uh, it's a lot of fun. You can do so much stuff with those. Yeah. Build it up with some ledger locks or some some headlocks. That's what we yeah. use. They look really cool too. So uh, a couple other projects outside. If you're if you're if you want to hang out with the beautiful weather, uh, I know you've probably already fired up that lawnmower. But take a look at your grass blades. If the if your lawn after you've cut it looks like it has a brown tinge to it, get down and really look at the blades. The if, blades of grass. If the blades of grass after you've mowed it are rough or jagged jagged what'll happen is if your blades are dull it will actually just rip bludgeon that that grass blade and rip it tear it creating a really uneven uh, unhealthy surface for the grass and that it will die off so you'll you'll see like this little eighth inch uh jagged brown you know section on your grass blades and if your lawnmower is sharp, then it will cut the grass blade. So it ta- it it really pays to pull your lawnmower blade off and sharpen it. And if you if you have an extra, that's what I like to have is an extra lawnmower blade hanging on the wall. I, I sharpen that one, and then when I swap them, I put the old one on. And then when I have time, I sharpen that uh, the dull one, you know in my spare time. Yeah. Corey actually, uh, gave me a little demonstration of, of sharpening his lawnmower blade. He didn't even take the blade off. Actually. He, uh, he just sat the lawnmower up and went after it with a, with a grinder. Yeah. An angle grinder, angle battery operated angle grinder. And he just went after it with a grinder and did a really good job. I, I took the blade off of mine, uh, when I did mine because I hadn't done it a lot, but, uh, it definitely makes a big difference in the, the quality of the grass after you cut it. Yeah, it uh, and it gets dull pretty quickly. Actually, it, it really does. Uh, surprisingly enough, you'll have to replace or sharpen those lawnmower blades a few times a season yeah. for sure. Interesting. So, uh, another thing you can do is uh, make sure that your uh, lawnmower is in tip-top shape. If it's you know smoking and not starting really well, change the spark plug on it. And also, you can take apart the carburetor and clean it all out. Because what might have happened, if you're using gasoline from your local gas station with ethanol in it, that ethanol does not bode well for your small engines. So if you have the capacity or if you have the ability, if there is a gas station around you that sells ethanol-free gas, usually you have to buy it in premium. Uh, but that's the best way to do it. Or you can get a stabilizer. They sell that at uh, places like AutoZone, I suppose, or Napa or something like that. Maybe Yeah, a- you can pour in a stabilizer. It doesn't yeah. work as well because what you're trying to do or what that product is trying to do is keep the ethanol from separating. Mm-hmm. And it's just bad. It's bad for your small engines. Most of them will say right on them, do not use E85, mm-hmm. which is, means it has ethanol in it of percentage 
of ethanol in it. So here's another great project for this time of year. We want to have our windows open so we can enjoy the weather outside. But a lot of times those screens are broken and bugs are coming through. It's a good time to check and replace your screens that are damaged. Good tip. There you go. That's all the time we got, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here. Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.